1: See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more? Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com.
0: Hello, everyone and welcome to this brand new spoiler review episode for episode four of andor from
2: the geek buddies and laura kelly <gasps> hey!
0: we're back at it again have some fun talking about andor here oh boy are things starting to heat up and we'll see if laura feels that way Was things are starting to heat up for sure we've got a mission on On deck, it seems like. we go to Coruscant. We've got some stuff with Mon Mothma and Luthan Rael playing a very smiley, bejeweled man uh, running an Mm -hmm. artifact shop. So, so much to talk about here in this uh, review. We can't wait to get into it. Let's introduce ourselves. I'm the outlaw, John Rocha, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. Mike?
1: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shannon?
3: this is shannon McClung. i'm an animation writer and a television actor and i had some edamame right beforehand there's something stuck in the back of my mouth so i'm gonna try not to be distracting trying to get this little bit of a snap pee out of the back of
0: my tooth it's a rebel inside the empire of your mouth i get it i totally understand what that would feel like uh laura kelly is here as well the co-host of Force toast pod and the co-host of the jedi way how are you laura
2: I'm doing amazing. I don't have edema in my teeth. I hopefully don't have anything in my teeth, so I think I'm doing better than Shannon.
1: (laughs) I mean, listen, on any day, you're doing better than Shannon. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's
1: Laura Kelly, man. It's Laura Kelly. That's no knock on you. It's Laura Kelly. Come on. (laughs) Sounds like a little bit of a
0: knock.
2: Sounds like a little little bit bit of of a knock. Yeah, Mm -hmm. might be.
0: There's some fermenting going on, I think. Uh, <laughs> we see Michael, shout out to your uh, Grogu sitting on your shoulder. That's an awesome uh, little no, guy no, hanging no. out with you. He, he, so make noises. he, he makes noises.
1: Noise. Oh, yeah. You hear that? Yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. good. That's very Laura, are cool. you jealous? You jealous? You want kind
2: me? of, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, but we also want to give a shout out to uh, Carbon Health, uh, who powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies, carbonhealth.com. Go and visit them for all your health care questions, concerns, and needs. You know, we love to uh, be sponsored by them. They love to uplift and support communities who talk about geek stuff just like we do. Get the app as well in case you have any questions on the run. That's uh, carbonhealth.com. Go and visit them today. 80-plus locations in California, 100-plus locations all over the country all right the way we're gonna break this thing down we'll get general thoughts quick general thoughts then we'll jump into storylines here uh Vogel we always start with you overall thoughts on episode four here of Andor
1: I mean we in it now Mm. we in it uh I I as we said last week I was a really big fan of the first three episodes I did say that I felt like I understood why they did all three of those like it was a slow burn on those three but I feel like with episode four we're in it. It almost feels like those first three episodes were the prologue to get us all caught up and to put the pieces on the board. And this episode four, to me, feels like the show is really starting. We're really seeing what the shape of this is. You've got Cassie and Andor at one end of the spectrum coming from like, uh, Ferrix, Ferrix, Fenix. Um, which planet? What's the name of the planet? Ferrix. Ferrix. Yeah. Ferrix. Uh, coming from Ferrix, and kind of as we talked about last week, sort of seeing like that lower end of the economic scale of a galaxy far, far away. And now we're seeing Mon Mothma at the very hop, uh, top of the scale and just seeing like all the different places where the Re- rebellion is starting. I am super in. The only critique I would have of this episode, it's not even really a critique because I really enjoyed it all. Okay. But I do feel like as a hardcore Star Wars nerd, Mon Mothma on Coruscant, kind of almost overshadowed Andor, uh, and Andor on Aldani for me. Like, I thought it was all interesting. Like, I have no, there, there's no issues with what happened on Aldani. I thought it was all interesting. I'm excited to see what happens. I was, ex- I'm, I really can't wait till we get to next week and we see how this goes down. But Mon Mothma on Coruscant got me, y'all. I was in it. Fair enough. Laura Kelly, thoughts overall uh, quickly on uh, episode four here.
2: Now, I know I was like pretty subtle about, my feelings <laughs> in the first three episodes of the show. Right word, a little bit. Yeah, it was. Um, I I wasn't a massive fan of the four that we have so far. This episode is my favorite. Okay. Um, it was part of the the screener package that we got early on, so I did have some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, quite literally, I kind of like that. the sort of color palette of this episode in particular is a little bit brighter. Mm-hmm. Being on live action, Coruscant, being in Mon Matha's quarters which is all very like stark white with the gold trim. Everything just looked a little bit different and brighter. It wasn't so drab and dreary, and I very much enjoyed that. It held my attention a lot more, despite the fact that I think the story is still moving a little bit slow for me. Um, Overall, I was very excited to see Mon Mothma. I was very excited to dive into her part of this story, especially after I sort of... I'm not saying I've written off how this show has gone so far. I'm trying to remain optimistic, but I was, needless to say, very relieved to just have something different to look at.
0: Fair enough. Sure, sure. Shannon McClellan, overall thoughts here on episode four. Did you like the clean look of, the, of Coruscant there compared to the more grungy, dirtier aspects of uh, Aldani there with uh, Belle and the crew and Andor?
3: i mean i like the juxtaposition i mean Mm. i i can't disagree with laura that the the um kind of uh uh, optics of the first three episodes the aesthetic yes it was very grungy i mean it was very much on that that lower end of the economic scale whereas this like i love getting to see um how the other half lives Mm. in, in the star wars universe and the way that they would go back between being in these opulent suites to them literally sleeping on the ground i mean it, it really sort of illustrates that a that a rebellion has to take place on multiple fronts that it can't just be one side like it has to be a bunch of people working together um i loved yeah, finding out a little bit more about uh, uh karn uh, getting getting uh, a little little validation be like oh okay so yeah i think i think john i think you were the first one to call that about yeah. guessing guessing what side of the tracks he came from um yeah. but yeah i thought i mean it is a slow burn like that that is 100 percent correct but i'm really enjoying it i mean and i love a good imperial dress down and we got a few in this episode.
0: oh yes we did Poor Deidre, man. Uh, but you respect that. And, and that's what I liked about this uh, episode. is full of some strong characters. Yes, we would get Andor back. But Vel really announced herself as a leader of this team. Getting more time with well, her. Some of you maybe re- remember her as the Waif from Game of Thrones. She was fantastic during that whole season six, I think it was, where she was a part of this thing. And and then getting to see the team and meet the team. I have to. I kept, I feel differently. I, I really enjoyed the stuff on Aldani. I liked that we were getting the base level understanding of what this is. The odds are against them. There's a garrison. They're switching up the plans. They're not telling everybody the full truth about everything. You're discovering on a need to know basis, and you're too deep to turn back. This feels very familiar to a military guy like me. So these kinds of things kind of connected with me more. But I did love seeing Coruscant. That is a beautiful planet. I'd love to live there. I'd love to have an apartment there, a house there. I'd hate to have a husband like this guy, but I certainly enjoyed (laughs) all of that. And then getting some more with the – is it the ISB? I love getting ISB. With, yeah, the ISB and seeing the internal politics. You know, for all the fact that you run the universe, there's still those petty little things that go on with people no matter where you're – what office you're in. And I like that they brought it down to that even though they're dealing with larger things. And even though Deidre might be 100% correct about what's happening here for sure. So that's going to be fun. To certainly explore as this season goes along, Well
3: and also, John, she yeah. was not the only Game of Thrones alum in that scene. Oh, uh, okay. Major Partigas, thats yes. from Kyburn from the later seasons. Right, right. So, I getting was, to see them in the same scene, that was a lot of fun. That's I actually—I
1: don't even know his name in this show, and I only refer to him as Kyburn, and I will fondly refer to him as Kyburn throughout <laughs> this review. I will and then Kyburn yelled at her.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's major part of us, but okay, if you want to say cyber, yeah, <laughs> full cavern.
3: full disclosure, before I made before I made that statement, I did go over to IMDB just to c- clarify right. what his name was. And
0: don't forget Chief Hine is also has one scene in this as well, also a Game of Thrones alum. <laughs> Uh, in this, but let's uh, let's start off. We'll start off with the Andor storyline. We start out with Luthan still trying to convince uh, Andor to be part of the of this rebellion. Here, we uh, Andor mentions Alliance, Sep, Guerrilla, Partisan Front. Andor thinks they're all useless. So we do have this that he doesn't want to be a part of this thing. Andor talks about fighting in Mimben at age 16, trying to kind of pawn off Luthen, saying, I've done my part for King and Country, and we fought ourselves, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, You were a cook, and you were on the ground for six months, and you ran. That's why you live, son. So calling him out a little bit. And Luthen thinks he's going to die fighting these bastards. Why not start now? Uh, and eventually wears down Andor and tells him there's a mission for him. It's five days. If you survive and deliver, I'll pay you 200000 Uh, credits i think it was Uh, and they are stealing the quarterly payroll for an entire imperial site i love this not something grandiose something really basic that could affect it's not blowing stuff up it's taking the payroll which could cause dissent cause issues smart they land on aldani luthan tells andor to pick a name he will be clem which some people have referenced uh, is connected to something else. So very interesting. Then he gives Kandor, uh, gives Andor a Kawadi signet, blue Kyber sky stone celebrates the uprising against the Rakatan invaders. I had to go deep into to find out what the hell the Rakatan invaders were. That is way deep in star Wars canon. For sure. Luthan talks and argues with Val who shows up. We find out that she's the leader of the team. Faye Marseille is the actress here who is playing bell. She's the head of the team. He is hired to pull this a uh, uh, robbery off. Luthan says, he is paying him she gets mad because it's essentially a mercenary uh he tells her that she has three days to make sure that this is working if not call it off and if andor is an issue kill him he's disposable vel and andor walk and talk and uh we talk we hear more about the plan about robbing of the aldani garrison and they are taken on the imperial armory which really shocks andor of course it's too late for him to pull back and then we see these tie fighters go by which is really, oh, I love that sound. Then Vel tells him about the 40,000 Aldani's across the Highlands uh, and how the Empire drove them south to work in their factories and live in their houses and talks about how Aldani as the perfect hub for distribution if you want to take over the galaxy. Then Andor meets the team. Uh, Skeen, we see waking up uh, Nemek who was sleeping on guard duty, and Skeen mentions Masi, Garvish, and Saw. Guerrera, we meet the rest of the team here, Terraman and Teramin and Sinta, who are there, and the team is arguing with Vel. nemick is feeling Andor's belief in the cause, though, which kind of quells a little bit of that uh, uh argument here about have bringing in a new person. Then later we see an Empire uh person on a speeder bike show up, and that is Lieutenant Gorn, who is part of this team. He is not happy with Vel. He meets Andor we hear about an imperial engineer that's arriving from Khorasan we go through the drill Nemek has built all of this and is very precious about it and talks about the glue and the rain and it's not to scale so very very much involved in the construction of the overall uh, um a garrison that they're using as a model. Andor thinks the plan won't work because the ship's gonna be too slow. But then we hear about the Nazma Barani temple and that once every three years the Aldani's gather for the Eye of Aldani, which is a celebration that looks like a meteor shower, but it's actually crystals in the sky slamming into themselves, and that's what they're gonna use as cover when they take that uh uh, uh quarterly payroll. And then Tyraman gives him the specs on the ship, the blueprint of the garrison, and Aldani phrase book, and Andor replies. Can I finish my food now? Uh, and I'll and I'll be memorized this by morning. So, Mike, I go to you uh, first here. That's basically the entire Endor storyline. Talked about how you felt uh, they handled this in episode four uh, and what you thought of it.
1: Well, I mean, I think I, I thought a lot as I was watching the episode about our review last week and mm-hmm. kind of what Laura had said and how Cassie Endor still is sort of a reluctant hero. Like yes. he he's making the decision here that he's going to do the job and he's in for the job. And I imagine that by the time we get to the job and we see how. Uh, good he is at what he does will start to shift into a different phase of the show. But, you know, he's still not... Actively driving the story everyone else is actively driving it for him. So in the opening scene It's really Luthien kind of being like look you don't have a choice like I can drop you off and you can keep doing what you're doing and you'll probably die or You could try and kill me which probably isn't gonna go great for you Or you could take this job and do everything you want and I do like this whole back and forth where Cassian is sort of saying You don't know what I want I don't believe in all this garbage, Alliance, guerrillas, partisans, it's all the same thing. Like all of it is stupid, but like Luthen really sees Cassian better than Cassian sees Cassian. And I think that's why the show is still working, despite the fact that our main lead is kind of not into it because Luthen is really driving him forward being like, look, (laughs) basically Luthen is going, you're the lead of the show and you're going to embrace all this. (laughs) And I know you're going to embrace all this. So let's just keep things moving. Um, (laughs) Which I think, which I think was really great. You're number one on the call sheet here, <laughs> guys. you Yeah,
0: number
1: one on the call sheet. you got you're gonna get on here at some point. Um, <laughs> you're not a side I, character.
3: We're gonna find out all about you.
1: <laughs> and I do. I mean, I, you know, to your point, like I didn't dislike anything in the Aldani story. Like mm-hmm. I thought the way that Luthen sort of uh, cajoled and bullied Vel into taking a Cassian Clem. Isn't Clem his dad's name?
2: Is, uh, it, his is adoptive, is it, yeah. adoptive, dad, Marv, his adoptive Marva's name? partner, yeah. Marv, yeah, it's Marva and Clem,
1: stuff. which is why I thought he chose the name. Yeah. Um, but like the way that Luthan sort of cajoles her into it and kind of forces her to do it. And then the way she, like once she accepts that, does the exact same thing to everybody else. And although there's a lot of griping and there's a lot of kind of vocal dissent, everybody does kind of get in line kind of to your point john about seeing the isb and seeing all of the red tape and everybody playing against each other as much as everyone clearly did not like cassian coming in here everybody kind of got on board because you kind of have to like this is how a rebellion is good there's a bigger picture here and we all believe in this thing whereas on the imperial side there is no bigger picture it's all very self-serving which we'll get to when we get to the other story um I, I thought that, uh, again, I think I'm going to say this every week, so I apologize, um, but it's really nice not being on the volume, like watching those two, <laughs> watching those two walk through this mountainscape. scape, uh, yeah. the Shire, the Shire. Uh, wa- watching them walk through it and having this conversation, a walk and talk like that on a, on a smaller set, it just wouldn't have been as effective. It was so sweeping. And to your point, Johnny, when... When he heard those TIE fighters, seeing those TIE fighters fly through that valley, it was just, it really like, it took my breath away. Um, and then I also just really love what I love about the setup of all of this, this, the, what, the, what she said, their day long trek to get to the rebel base. And then even when you get to the rebel base and everything they're talking about, about the getaway is they're doing a really nice job of weaving into the story. The story of how the empire has treated the entire galaxy right the way that they've displaced so many people the way that they've moved so many people these people that all have these very strong held beliefs about the places they live uh and these sacred places that were super important to them that now they can't even get to anymore and i just really love the subtle way that they're weaving that in um really liked all the rebel team I know they're not all going to survive when this shit goes down. And I go to Shannon, that's a back to the future reference, right? When he was like, this thing isn't to scale. Like when he was like, <laughs> that's, that's what I thought. I, I got like, a Doc like, brown vibe. It, it was, I was like, it was so like, he builds this very <laughs> intricate thing to show them how they're going to do it. And he's clearly spent a lot of time on it. And he goes, I apologize. It's not to scale. And I was like, the Doc Brown reference. I feel like it's a Doc Brown reference. Um, so yeah, like I thought everything was interesting, but I do still feel, and again, not a critique, because Diego sure. Luna, I think Shannon said this last week. Like, that that dude opens his eyes, and those are some soulful eyes, and you can just like you believe everything he does. But everybody, the entire rebel team, Luthen, everyone around him is so passionate and so um clear on wanting to move this plan forward and he's still sort of reluctantly pulling back which is where he's at in this part of the story so i feel like once we see him shift it's going to be really effective because he's holding back but you do just sort of still have that like come on dude i'm ready for you to go i'm ready for you to go people are very passionate in one direction, when you
0: switch them over to the other direction, they're just as passionate in that. So I think, and that's why there's a, there's a real kind of effort that has to happen because it's going to take an entire effort in his full body effort, full emotional effort to go the other direction. So he's hesitant right now, but the fact that he's still willing to do it uh, and the way he like kind of lingers on that Kyber crystal tells you that there's a world opening up for him that he's considering in all of this. And I think this team works really well together. Laura, what are your thoughts on this, uh, on the whole storyline here with Andor in, in episode four what we got?
2: Well, I like the very beginning of it where we're still on board the ship actually mm-hmm. and it's kind of Luthan just giving him this, this, you know, talking down to, which I kind of appreciated that it's not just the Imperials that are sort of getting the dressing down. Like it's also Cassian, and Ardor, yeah. who is obviously a s- stubborn ass is just kind of getting it handed <laughs> to him. By Luthen, and I, I kind of appreciate that. I, I like getting this insight and in sort of digging more into this very new but very interesting dynamic between yeah. the two of them. Um, fun note: I think Cassian is wearing like a denim shirt in these early scenes, which I'm choosing to believe is an homage to Amperu, oh. and I will not hear anything different. I support it. <laughs> okay. um, but these scenes where he's talking to to Luthen at the beginning—I mean, the scenes with this kyber crystal, in addition to all of the. You know legends lore and easter eggs that are dropped in literally the one line i think that luthan has in that in that first part of that scene um as soon as i watched that and i didn't have a ton of faith that some of our new characters are going to live through this whole episode but i mean the fact that he's just like yeah i want that back at the end of this i'm like oh no oh he's not (laughs) he's not gonna live to get that back and it's gonna be really sad i can already see it coming um, but like I said, the dynamic between the two of them is interesting. I like how he also told him, you know, you have the option here to like steal my ship. That's mm-hmm. option number three here. Um, but then at one point, when you kind of see Cassian looking over at like whatever the little droid is that's built into the ship, and the droid's like, "Hi, can I help you?" Actually, <laughs> the, it's just that's great a- because it's like, yeah, that ship was never going to allow Cassian. That's to a gay ship.
1: That's a gay ship, by the way. <laughs>
2: It's bringing the attitude.
1: Excuse me. Can I help you? <laughs> what are you staring at? Thank you. Look away.
2: <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, you know, the rest of this team on on Aldani, there's it's interesting, it's kind of funny that I feel like we kind of circle back to over and over again that they're all upset that he's there. Yeah. We get it. It we're I think we're kind of repeating that two or three times. Um, there's a couple of uh of you know, these these guerrilla people that are, they're talking about where they mentioned saw and garbage yeah. on Mossy. And I'm like, do we, are we supposed to know who those other two are? We know who saw is. Yeah, the other two. I wasn't sure about if those were new names. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that Richie from the bear is in this show. <laughs> yeah, I right. Just, just rewatched the bear. So hearing him not speak with that over the top Chicago mixed with a New York accent. Like it's just, it was, it was very interesting. Um, and yeah, this poor young guy that is just our hopelessly naive young kid that's part of this team another one i do not have high hopes oh. for he's
1: he's gonna die yeah
2: he die. oh it's gonna be sad he's if anybody's read the alphabet squadron novels he's given a little bit of a will lark vibe um who i actually never finished those so i don't know if will lives or not but i kind of am having doubts about this poor kid so Fingers crossed for him, but yeah, you're right. This whole there's no way in hell this whole team is going to survive. Yeah, it's okay.
0: a Rogue One thing all over again. You're absolutely yep. right. I think I feel that way too. Shannon, thoughts on uh, how Andor was handled and his journey through this episode uh, through this episode, and also how the team handles Andor and how Val really kind of steps up to the plate and commands this team as well. Uh, you know,
3: both Diego Luna and Stellan Skarsgård are both just really, really dynamic performers. Yeah. Um, but you do have times where you can have two incredible actors who just don't gel, and that is not the case here. I mean, they just play off each other really, really well, despite the fact that the, their characters are are you know are new to each other. They just have an ease with each other, and I think part of that is the performance, um, and part of that is uh, Dan Gilroy's writing, who wrote this episode, and it's I mean, across the board, all the dialogue. It is just written so, so well. And I think not to say this is good, therefore this must be bad. It does kind of harken back to some of our earlier Disney plus Star Wars shows like, ah, man, you know, the Gilroy brothers are really doing a great job, whereas some of the writers that came before like, yeah, we didn't think it we didn't think it was awesome when we saw it, but it was Star Wars. So we were so happy to get it. And they're like, oh, yeah, that, that really was not was not awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, just watching those two together is really, really great. And you just see sort of the cut and dry quality of Luther. Yeah, when he's like, here's what's going on, da, 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 da. and even uh, 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 Cassian, when he's just like, look, I'll take the drop off, and he's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. But then, as he convinces him, and you see with Cassian where he talks about those different um rebellion groups, and this is like the rebellion started because there were a bunch of different groups of people that weren't happy, yeah. and it takes them all coming together to work as yeah. a team to eventually topple the empire and that's what's really cool to see right now is you can have sort of the enemy of my enemy is my friend and even though these groups might not get along they might not know each other they might not have the same sort of ideology the fact that they all have a common enemy in the empire and you get to see all these different alien races these different types of people come together because they have sort of a you know unified cause i thought it was awesome um the whole scene with vel so um years ago when i was a child um went and saw the blue angels who was you know the u.s navy sort of fighter jet uh demonstration team like an air show team and a couple of times they did a a few low altitude uh runs above the audience and the feeling that you get when a machine that powerful flies over you i mean it shakes you to your core and that's what i have to think uh, a tie fighter flying that low in that valley That's the same feeling I got. And like watching the episode again, often, like you can see the two two TIE fighters, kind of tiny, way off in the distance, right before Cassian goes, wait, do you hear that? Before they come screaming across. Like that's the type of thing, and to Vogel's point, like not using the volume for this, having these huge, wide outdoor shots. I mean, it just, it, it makes the world so tangible. And it's, yeah, it's just really, really great. Um, getting to meet the team. I've, I, I think where this show, because of, what is it, 12 episodes they're doing? Yeah. It's basically, uh, thinking of Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan was six, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're Something basically like that. doubling that number. So all those characters that we met at the uh, uh, Inquisitorium, Emporium, who got wasted in one episode, who we didn't Damn. really care about. That's what this show is doing right. Is they're giving yeah. us they're giving us time yes. with people to get on their side to to understand their points of view. I mean, the little guy who who again made the model who was like ah the rainwater gets in the glue. Sorry, like I, Laura's right. Like yeah, that guy's toast. Um, no, he's for sure toast. He's for sure going down. <laughs> but just getting to know everyone, it it makes their stories. Even their smaller side stories so much more impactful. And then watching, you know, Evan Moss Backrack, who was from the Bear, who is a dynamite actor. I don't know the Chicago New York accent well enough to say whether it's good, <laughs> but um, as as a performer, again, he's just one of those sort of uh, magnetic guys that you just sit there and you want to watch. Watching the Imperial Officer come in. Um, being like, who the F is like, no, like, yeah. you know, when you uh, thinking about sort of military operations and how these insurgencies start. Um, yeah, I mean, it takes one, it takes one sort of uh, uh, one person to make the whole thing fall apart. And to see how Vel is really, really sticking her neck out for this to work. I mean, it's just, it's just very dynamic storytelling and it's, it's a blast to watch.
0: Yeah. And you know, he says to, her, she says, do I have a choice? And he goes, yeah, you have a choice. You can call it off or do it. That's your choice. So Vel agrees to do it and even says, okay, fine, I'll do it. And you see her slowly, but surely as she's walking in this conversation with uh, with uh, and, you can almost see her in her mind mentally, like figuring out how she's going to address everybody, how she's going to bring this up, who's going to counter her first with what, Who's going to be the most uh, upset? And immediately she pawns off uh, Terraman and uh, I think Skeen to go look at the polls or else they want to chase animals for the rest of the day. So she's, you know, she's smart in how she's doing all of this. And I think that's why you cast someone like her because she kind of conveys that strength and she's got a death stare like nobody else. Like her angry stare is like unsettling. So it's a great choice in terms of acting. And you're right. All these characters are pretty clear. I mean, Skeen seems like her second in command. Terramin is the guy in charge of like all the um, uh, particulars, like the blueprints and all the all the th- stuff that you might need. Cinta is the medical person, and Nemec is the one who's like designing stuff. But also, Nemec might have some sort of um, mystical thing because he says he senses Andor's commitment to the cause. What does that mean? I don't think it's. I don't think it's, I
1: don't it's think about. Course. I don't think it's about that. I think he's okay. a true believer. I think he's like okay. he is just this bright eyed, bushy tailed. I believe the best in everybody. And I think it's like, I always use aliens as the old, I mean, I know we brought aliens up last week too, because of the Gorman thing, but aliens to me is the ultimate example of having a massive cast of characters. Yeah. And in very, very like directed, targeted, specific, I have no time to do this. And I only have like two lines ways getting you to know who each character is and i did feel like with this they did do what i think we all sort of complained a little bit with the early rebels in obi-wan we wish we had seen a little bit more like that one or two lines oh he made the model oh he's the one who does all the schematics oh she's the medic oh he's the imperial officer who's undercover like you know it's like we sort of just get just enough about each one so in our brains we sort of catalog them yeah. as separate people and we're like okay i get who these people are i get what this team is right it's and and, and to shannon's point it's just really really good writing absolutely
0: and it's good casting as well because all of them 100%. really embody these characters immediately and so you're good to go as you move forward Speaking of move forward let's move on to the next uh section here and uh, we're talking
1: about you want to take a break? oh
0: yes sorry god damn it. all right let's take a break we'll be right back right after this
3: do, 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 do.
0: i'm trying to keep us on task sorry about that thanks for reminding me mike all right let's head off to the imperial security bureau major patagas is getting briefs from his officers about our violence S- huh kyber it's kyber kyber no it's not kyber it's, Partagas. We call it's
2: getting briefs from
0: his officers about her six and other areas and the incident on Ferrix in the Morlana sector, and then we meet Deidre, who tries, I wrote here, tries to be teacher's pet by answering his question effectively uh, by what's out of the book, and he said, no, that's wrong. Security is an illusion. They are healthcare providers locating germs from within or without before they become a disease that infects the empire. We hear about what happened on F- Ferrix, and we see Deidre Miro get very interested in this, and uh, we hear about the increase in construction shipments going to Scarif. Uh, nice little reference there, Rogue One. Uh, Blevin. we cut to Blevin, who is on Ferex later in the episode, and he is dressing down all the security people involved in Cyril Karn's uh, latest escapade here, including Mosque and poor Chief Hine, who really just went for a vacation and then came back and all this shit went down. Um, he dresses down Karn specifically and says, oh, oh, you will not be replaced. Imperials are in charge of Morlana now. You are no longer necessary. Then we come back to Deidre, who's looking for her Starpath unit, with, with, who I imagine is her assistant, and finds it. Uh, and, and we find out that it's from Steer Guard Naval Yard. And now she has jurisdiction after her assistant is turned down by Blevin for that report on Ferex. Deidre confronts Blevin, and he refuses the report a second time and calls her out on her ambitious nature then deidre and blevin later debate their issue for dad daddy radigas uh she thinks this is part of an ongoing effort to steal (laughs) proprietary imperial equipment for a coordinated rebellion Uh, she might be onto something she sees similar items of interest and patterns developing here in multiple locations across the galaxy but in the end radigas turns her down sides with blevin sends blevin off then tells and then he dresses her down a little bit and says there's a high bar for your performance whether it's fair or not that's how it is you're supposed to be more competent and tucked away you have two sectors he has six his reports are in i'm still waiting for yours and he says he was impressed by her detention numbers on SevTalk. deidre is and, and may have her do more of that down the road and then leaves deidre is left seething but also breathing a sigh of relief. So uh, Laura thoughts on how this was, this all went down and this is actress Denise Goff, who's playing uh, Deidre Miro thoughts on how her, uh, how she was introduced here and Blebin and the dressing down of Cyril Korn.
2: There's something very dynamic about her character and I'm not really sure what it is because I feel like I, I know I'm supposed to not like her, but there's just, (laughs) she keeps her face so still and steady it's it's kind of it's really impressive so i've i've been enjoying her character a lot she's going to be one of the characters i think you know we talked a lot about how karn is supposed to be that that villain you love to hate i think that's going to be her for me because Agreed. i'm enjoying her very much um what i sort of love about some of these isb scenes are the little we slip in little bits of humor in these scenes i mean at one point like sergeant what's his nuts like raises his hand during yeah, like lost. a point yeah. while they're getting lectured and he's like he raises his hand and the ice guys just like seriously like these are <laughs> little moments that legitimately got like a laugh out loud from me um and in addition to the fact that uh we also get you know these two characters basically running to kyburn who is daddy and they're like yeah. i'm gonna go tattle on your ass to, ca- to it's just a really fun dynamic because we know that the empire likes to pit all of their agents against each other there's going to be there's always going to be that strive for competition in the empire because they want to drive people to move up and to basically just be the worst versions of themselves in order to get what the empire wants um so i i enjoyed all of these coruscant scenes just on the surface because we were on coruscant and that was amazing um but yeah the the dynamic between all of these characters is just particularly interesting i think
0: yeah i mean she's i i I agree with you laura i'm definitely finding her much more interesting and exciting and listen she won the 2016 laurence olivier award for best actress over Mm -hmm. nicole kidman for a performance at the national theater in a play called people places and things so this is this is a woman with incredible pedigree so when you talk about her look and her face and how what she's doing within there is she this is an incredible actress bringing levels uh, to her work here in quiet moments that that radiate believability and so that makes you connect with her a little bit more although Cyril corn has a damn good look as well i mean let's let's be real but i agree i think she's the one that i'm going to be most interested in seeing and clearly she's right she's the one seeing the stuff the empire is not seeing so it'll be interesting to see how much that desire uh that mirrors kind of cyril's desire to do something to make people aware that the rebel, that the Alliance is forming or rebellion is forming here will come to play in the next few episodes. Shannon, your thoughts on how a Deidre Mero uh, plays this whole thing out and how these uh, storylines play out here in this section of the, or these sections of the show.
3: I mean, just from the beginning, when we get to see from space, you know, the, the picture of Coruscant, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, capital of the galaxy. And, you know, it's a location that we've been to, you know, in animation and in live action yep. but the way that they shot it was just different. I mean it was that, you know, sort of birds-eye view over the city, like the type of shot that you would see in like 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 a like a crime drama, like that that mm-hmm. directly above the city. It, there's just again they they're doing such a great job at making this feel like a real world. Um, everything just seems, it just seems very, very tactile. Um, walking into that briefing scene, the thing that I love about these sort of stark white walls with everything just perfect, it's that illusion of perfection. Because mm. clearly, like, they they are in the driver's seat. Like, they're winning. They've won. But at the same time, there are, there's the fomenting, there's these pockets of resistance and to watch them all try to keep their composure as they're being dressed down talking about very real issues um it's just it's just a lot a lot of fun and Deidre is from moment one I mean she's just a character she's just a cool cool character I mean it's it she reminds me a little bit of Krennic um maybe it's because of the the white wardrobe but it just seems like that that You know, that's that stiff upper lip. And when she gets the idea to start, you know, doing a little bit of research, um, just the way just the way she goes into that data pad. I mean, she's just it's something that can't be taught to performers um it's just a quality that that certain people have and the fact that she won uh, apparently a very prestigious award over a huge (laughs) movie star i mean clearly this this is a performer who knows what they're doing um everything (laughs) in with uh blevins with the with the the uh, corporation security guys (laughs) i mean again the poor old guy (laughs) the guy from the veil i mean Um, he was just like i didn't do (laughs) it it's like well you are an ineffectual leader if you're the people who answer to you didn't listen to you and the moment that you can i mean i feel like karn is perpetually being shipped away throughout this series Mm. like when he's just like you're not being replaced your position is gone yeah like now the imperial forces are taking over everything so good job (laughs) <laughs> and the the Deidre Blevin scene I thought was great, and another really really great line of dialogue when Blevin's sort of cautions her cautions yeah. her ambitions, where he says, "You might want to steady the ladder before trying to climb it." I was like, "That is a great piece of writing." Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, based off of the trailers, I mean, I'm really really excited to see where uh, to see where De- Deidre
0: goes. Yeah, and he also says, "When you fall here, you fall alone." So, yeah, stuff like that, which is what Laura was alluding to, them pitting being pitted against each other. That's the game. So if Blevins got six districts. He's clearly been playing the game very, very well for a bit. Mike, thoughts on uh, Deidre Mira, this introduction, uh, introduction of Denise Goff into this uh, role here? And to be fair, she's won two Laurence Olivier Awards. So this is a very accomplished actress. Wow. Please, Michael, take it away. What um,
1: do you- well, to first, to, to Shannon's point, Coruscant is real. In a way, like Coruscant is like 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 that was like like, I just like Santa Claus. (laughs) Like like when we first saw Coruscant, (laughs) uh you know, when you first saw Coruscant for most of us, like in the prequel trilogy, you saw it at the very end of the remastered uh Return of the Jedi, but Uh, when you saw it in the prequel trilogy, and CG was pretty new. And sure, it looked amazing and it looked beautiful, but you look back on it now and it's very CG. It's awesome, and you can see all of Coruscant, and especially in Attack of the Clones with the entire car chase scene, Like you really get the different layers and the levels, and then Clone Wars really deepened Coruscant. Like We got to spend a lot more time there. But to Shannon's point, this makes Coruscant real in a nuts and bolts, gritty rust and water running down the side of the building way that like we've just never seen before um which i think is really really great and just needs to be called out um you know we talked a lot at the beginning about how between cassie and andor and mon mothma we're seeing these two extremes but i really like how we also in everything that we're seeing with the isb with deidra with the entire setup of kyburn and everybody else um you're also seeing the difference between the empire and the rebellion Mm -hmm. like it's no it's not an accident that aldani is a very nature driven planet and they are sleeping in the woods and the isb is this white clinical no nature anywhere kind of thing i mean the reason that george lucas made coruscant coruscant as the seat of where palpatine was is because there was no nature like the empire is all technology, all hard edges and angles and cold lines. And the rebellion is nature and warmth and it's messy sometimes, but it works. And so that's what you're seeing here. Like no one's happy that Cassian is there. They're all pissed off about it, but they all come together and it works. And in the ISB, no one is there for each other. It is all hard angles and it's cold and it's edges. And that's very apparent in the set design and in the performances and in the structure that you're setting up. Um, I also think they do something really interesting with Deidre and it's, it's a really good hat trick. Mm. She's a bad guy. Yes. She's the empire. But they have set her up as someone that we're still rooting for even though we know she's the bad guy. So she is the underdog. She is struggling to like get her voice heard. She made a move, was slapped down by a bigger, worse asshole, uh, was told that she has a lot to live up to. So in the way that they've set up her character, the way that they've written her, they have given us a bad guy that we know is bad, but that we still want to succeed. And that's a really, really great trick. Like that's really, really good writing because we're not looking at her going, oh, she's the bad guy. I want her to die. Like they have set up a situation where She is right. Everyone else is wrong. Yeah. She is on the right path. She has a lot to prove. There are other Imperial bad guys that are above her, like Blevin, that are assholes that we will enjoy seeing her get the better of. So even though ultimately we're going to want Cassian to win, we're going to want the Rebellion to win against her, Like we will root for her up till that point. And that makes a really, really engaging villain. So I think they did a really, really good job with that.
0: Yeah, and for people who haven't seen Under the Banner of Heaven, she is uh, fantastic in that series as well as one of the wives of the of uh, I think why no, not why what uh, oh god, uh, Sam Worthington. She is one of she is Sam Worthington's wife in that series and she's incredible and she's Irish. So her ability to do these like British or American accents, it's phenomenal yeah. to see this woman's talent. So Shout out to her uh, and, for sure, and I'm looking. And forward also, to
1: really quick, just yeah. because it's awesome, because if you're a nerd, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, they bring up Scarif. Yes, and they're saying that a lot of money uh, and a lot of uh, supplies are being headed to are being sent to Scarif. Yeah. And it's because they're building the Death Star, <laughs> so like that's that's cool. Um, but they also mentioned that there's a lot of uh, a lot of prisoners being sent to prison um, because of Ryloth, which yeah. is uh, the Twilight planet um, where and Dula and her family are. So, yeah. uh, a lot of things going on there. So, like they're definitely doing a really nice job of doing Easter eggs in the right way, yeah. which is kind of throwing <laughs> these things in and throwing these words in that. If you are not a complete Star Wars nerd, it's like okay, like yeah, this feel they're talking about planets. But if you are a Star Wars nerd, everything they're saying is actually correct and makes sense. And you're like, oh yeah, that would make sense. That, that yeah, there would be a yeah. lot of going on in Ryloth right now. That's really cool. So they, I appreciated that.
0: They also mentioned Arvala Six, Mike, which is in the same uh, section of planets that Arvala Seven is, where and the desert planet where Dinjarin uh, met Grogu. So there's that, that reference as well uh, in here. And I think they mentioned Mimban which is a bog planet, which people well, might no, remember. Well, no,
1: Cassian Andor mentions Mimban. He That's says by it, uh, his Yeah, yes. so back in the Luthan thing when they, um, but yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, Cassian says he fought on Mimban, which right. is a bog-like, muddy planet, and also happens to be the exact same planet that Han Solo is fighting on in Solo. And Ooh. given the timelines, there's a pretty good chance those two might have been fighting at the same time-ish. Yep, Like. Yep. And this is the setting
0: for The Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Alan Dean Foster's paperback novel, which was kind of a sequel to A New Hope. Um, And I met him at Comic-Con four years ago and got him to sign my copy of it. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, Mimban. Well, yeah,
1: but it's really, you know, like because when Solo, when Han Solo goes there in the beginning of Solo and he's fighting for the Empire and they're fighting in this big battle and it's muddy and it's gross and he ultimately like saves Chewbacca and deserts. Uh, and then Cassian Andor also apparently was fighting in this muddy bog of a planet and points out that the empire, uh, got a lot of mileage about getting a lot of people to fight against each other and not against the empire. And he also deserted. So, uh, you yeah, know, little, little, uh, bond between Cassian and Solo there. They're both, uh, they both got the fuck out. They're both scoundrels. All right, let's move
0: on to a little bit more of Coruscant, and let's uh, focus on Mon Mothma here. Uh, we see Luther. Would you uh, like
1: to go on a break first? Oh yeah, God
0: yes. I apologize. Let's go on a break real quick. Do that, dee doo dee de, dee de. There we go. Nice music. All right, let's go on here. Uh, let's go on to the next thing here. Let's and go on a break. <laughs>
1: do, 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 do 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 break. <laughs> for, those,
0: for those who are watching us possibly for the first time, we do those breaks for the podcast stream we have on iHeartRadio, so it's easier for me to lay in. Commercials or ads, so that you all are not annoyed by listening to us on the podcast stream. All right, let's move on to yeah. a little more of Coruscant, Mon Monmapa, and uh, Luthan. Is there anything else, or can we move on I want to make sure I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm
3: sorry, I'm enjoying it. I'm, okay, I'm just, right. I'm having a good time, guys. We have fun. That's what
0: we do. <laughs> we do. Uh, we see Luthan uh, put on a fake wig, uh, uh, new jewelry practice a smile uh, which is really nice so clearly he is another person i think this is luther rand is that correct uh, is something correct man i think that's going to be his name i think i'm not sure uh but uh we also see cyril arriving home slapped by a uh, greeted by his mother and then slapped by her and then she hugs him um and for those of you who saw the tragedy of macbeth that actress is uh, the three witches in the tragedy of macbeth with denzel washington that is the same actress and nothing screams incel like having to go back to your mom's house after you lost your job uh Uh, we meet clea um as uh uh, mon Mothma's ship is landing here luthan's partner she mentions that she has a new driver mon mothma does then mon mothma comes in and my god uh, you know genevieve o'reilly is just absolute grace elegance and gorgeousness all at once She commands any room she walks into, and you can see when she walks into uh, Luthen's place there. uh, She's a senator, we find out from Chandrila. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, And, of course, uh, Luthen puts on this act and showing for all these props. and I'm sorry, all these artifacts and stuff, and says to her, oh, yes, you're here for your husband, his day of days. Is that correct? Let's get something for him. Uh, And uh, meanwhile, Clea distracts, distracts the driver. They go into the back and have a conversation and a secret meeting under the guise of buying something for her husband. We hear about uh, uh, we hear about this idea of, of Monmathma moving money and that it's a lot harder for her to move this money in order to fund these, uh, rebel- these rebellion excursions. Uh, and uh, Luthen tries to call her out a little bit for being like, hey, I can only forage for so long. My people got to eat. And then she says that I think I found someone who might be able to help. Now, this is a nice bit of hypocrisy here. Because Luthen, who forced Vel to accept Andor into a situation, is rejecting Mon Mothma, trying to get Luthen to accept a new person into their situation. So I like this little bit of of um, uh, pairing that goes on with that. They speak in code over the artifact as well, and then she walks. Uh, then they walk back out, and uh, 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 Luthen has uh, uh, Claire. Is it, sorry, uh, Claire, wrap up the uh, the artifact there. Uh, and there's Easter eggs galore all over the room, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point in this analysis. Then Mon Mothma arrives home, and it's a gorgeous home. You mentioned there's no nature. There's a little bit of nature in the home with a plant or a tree there. She sees her husband setting up a dinner, and immediately, we know this guy's a bit of a fop. He's setting up this dinner for the governor of Hannah, Ars Dangor Sly Moore, from the Vizier's private chamber. She does not want to have dinner with these senators. She didn't remember it was happening. She remembers him wearing her down uh, and getting her getting parent, having parent wear her down. Parent is the name of the husband to make her agree with this dinner. Uh, and she's mad because those people try to undo everything she does in the Senate. Parent responds in a dickish manner that maybe they'll think twice about it tomorrow. Uh, and he also says, but we can cancel it if you want, if it's no big deal. And she's like, no, fine, let's just do this thing. Don't but don't sit me sit me near them. And she, he says, "Oh, don't worry. You're in the boring end of the table. I just want to have fun." Uh, this is clearly a man who feels very inadequate next to a powerful woman uh, and uh, is jealous of her standing. And um, as she walks away, Perrin says, "I heard you got me something." And she says, "Don't worry, it's going back." And he responds as a um fop would by saying, "Oh, must everything be boring and sad?" So what a weird world but i love that we've got this thing for her so shannon i go to you first thoughts on Mon mothma here thoughts on the storyline here with her well
3: starting with karn seeing that his family home, or at least where his mom lives, it's next to the 101 freeway. Yeah, I mean, Under an an overpass. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, she's down with the Martez sisters. Like, (laughs) she is not in the nice part of Coruscant. That's true.
3: I mean, you see those speeders, wah, 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 going by. I love that she comes out, smacks him in the face, and the nosy neighbor's kind of looking out, like, mind your own business. And when the door shuts, like, it does have sort of that stark white aesthetic that some of coruscant does but it's a little wear, it's a little worn down it's a little yeah. dirty so those are just great production details that give you an idea of like at one point maybe this was a nice place but then they built that freeway and suddenly everything you know has kind of gone to shit next to it so i thought that was really really fun the whole thing with Luther getting to see this wow. alter ego that he has like he kind of taking his time like you know using that steam cloth on his face putting the wig on putting the bracelets on he's got to practice it a little bit because this is not who he is the guy the, the real Lutheran that's the guy who went and got cassie and this other guy this guy who he had been for a long time this is now it's the batman bruce wayne thing like this mm. is the bruce wayne to uh to the other guy's batman so watching him kind of in the mirror sort of uh, uh, adopt this persona super fascinating and I, like i don't know a ton about like we don't know a ton about clea yet but again they have they just have a very very nice yeah. chemistry True. between mm-hmm. the two of them and this whole charade that is being done it's essentially for mon mothma's driver yeah. which i'm like that is aw-. like this is the level of secrecy that they have to that they have to employ to Make this, you know, to make their mission successful. I mean, yeah, because they
0: say just it's, fascinating. It's a new driver, Shannon, and she talks yep. about how there's new spies everywhere. She yep. doesn't know who to trust. The noose is tightening on her. Yeah, absolutely. As as
3: Clea basically distracts the driver, like, "Hey, come look at this." You see that quick look over to the side to uh, to Luth and be like, "All right, take her, take her back, take her back." And the moment that they get, you know, signed of kind of behind closed doors. His voice completely yeah. changes. His posture changes. I was like, "Oh, that is fantastic acting, fantastic directing." I mean, it's it's just uh, just a joy to watch, and you get you get a sense of the stakes th- that are happening right now. And and it was really funny because I had the same thought, John, is that he forced Cassian on yeah. bell but Mamatha tried to do the same thing it's like well no we can't do that it's too yeah. late because he at the end of the day he only the person he trusts is the guy in the mirror yeah that is the right. only person he fully trusts and then watching mon Mothma get to her apartment um yeah parent i mean he, he you know he's a fop like he's just he's like oh well that's the boring side <laughs> like he's he's the type of person that if it doesn't if it's not in front of his face and unless it directly affects him why do i care like it is such a fascinating character trait to have and even with my mom like obviously she's she's worked up about this she's not happy about this but when they're you know housekeeper handmaiden whatever whatever that woman and she comes not now like you see she also has a little bit of that elite ferocity that it's like oh okay you know you are trying to do the right thing you also might bite the head off of your servant if they catch you in the wrong moment again this is just such it's just such uh, uh, the, the juxtaposition between the two worlds I think that's why the show feels like it's really picking up is you're getting you're getting outside of Cassian's world you're getting a a, kind of a grander picture of what the whole story is going to be and thus far it's
0: awesome yeah fantastic stuff uh Mike thoughts on Genevieve O'Reilly on Mon Mothma on the uh, progression here Cyril Karn and then of Loris Luthin doing his thing uh
1: I mean poor Cyril I mean everything I think I think Shannon covered it Cyril Poor, oh, poor, poor, poor Cyril! gonna be. Guy? I not mean, sure, he's gonna, he's gonna be an incel, <laughs> but poor guy. Oh, what a, he had a rough couple days, this poor guy. Goes home to mom next to the 101. Um, yeah, I think Shannon nailed it. I mean, this guy, like, it'll be really interesting to see where they take him. I mean, yeah. you know, you say incel, but, like, he's at a crossroads right now. Like, does what Crazy. happened to the Empire drive him to become a, I need to prove myself even harder so that the mm-hmm. Empire will take me? Or does what happened with the Empire drive him to say, maybe this isn't right, and does he become a rebel? Don't like,
0: make you me care about him? You I say, don't you, say about
1: him. you know, you say incel, but like, to, to the Empire, everyone on Aldani are incels. So, you know, yeah. it's gonna be really interesting to see where Cyril goes uh, from here. And I think that his path is wide open, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, as far as Luthan, uh, I I would like everybody to do what I did, which is play that scene where he is on the ship and puts on his things, but mute your TV and just play the opening song to the Golden Girls. Um, and he puts on his little wig. He puts on his purple flowing gown. He puts on his rings and his bracelets. His bangles. And, uh, and if you threw a party. And then he takes a little post, invited everyone you knew. Like, it it really works. He That's basically awesome. becomes B. Arthur, and it's amazing. His transformation I'm, to be Arthur is fantastic.
0: I have a feeling the ship might've been playing that song. As you said, the ship, by the game. way,
1: I feel like it did. Um, but, but no, Shannon is right. It is an amazing acting feat to watch him put on that character. And also when we all watch these trailers and we saw him in his sort of Coruscant look, we're like, Oh, is he a Senator? Is he a this? No, he runs a fucking art gallery. Like he yeah. is nobody. Like it, it's so fascinating. Um, Genevieve yeah. O'Reilly, to me, is MVP. I mean, I think she is just owning this Mon Mothma. She goes into that gallery. Uh, yeah, Shannon's right. Like, Clea, all the little subtle glances. Yeah. The fact that they're doing all of this just for the driver because it is that secretive. Um, really quickly, I'm just going to go down the list because there was so much. Uh, oh, yeah. Stuff the, in there. Utapauan, the Utapauan monk cudgel. Uh, Utapau is where Obi-Wan Kenobi fought General Grievous in Revenge of the Sith. Um, you can see a, uh, twilight Calicori in the background, which is a very important familial artifact to, uh, the twilight people. Um, let's see what else, uh, in the background, this gets really weird. I didn't know all this. I looked this up. Some people on Twitter, on Twitter were, uh, were hitting me up with some stuff. It looks like a, it looks like there is a Jedi and a Sith holocron on the shelves in the background when they go back there. And it also looks like Indiana Jones' whip might be frozen in carbonite. And there's also some Shankara stones in the background. Yep. So this is a very, uh, Kathleen Kennedy shops at Luthen's Gallery. Let's just say that. Um, but yeah, the scene was really interesting. I love the interplay between Mod Mothma and Luthen. I just thought it was really, really, uh, like, I'm in it. Like, I'm yep. into this whole, like, how the nuts and bolts of the rebellion. Like, I want to look... I want to, like, listen to finance meetings about the rebellion and how they're spreading money around. Like, I just think the whole thing is really fascinating. Whom on Mothma found is really uh, interesting, and I really can't wait to see where that piece goes, this person that she found that she think will be valuable. Because at first I was like, okay, well, it's Jimmy Smith, it's Bail Organa. But as somebody else pointed out on Twitter, they were like, well, if that deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith is accurate, like Bail Organa was kind of in from the beginning. Like, I don't think he's a new person to bring in. Maybe he might be a new person to bring in to Luthan. Um, so that might be a thing. Some people are saying Ahsoka Tano because, uh, she's fulcrum in Rebels. I really don't think that's the case. So I really do think who this either character that we already know or brand new character that she's going to kind of bring into the fold, uh, is going to be a really interesting piece of the puzzle. Um, John, to your point, when she does go back home, yeah, this is really good production design. Yeah, The rebellion is nature. It always has been from the original trilogy, the Empire is always technology and hard lines. So Mon Mothma's home is in the Empire, but there's some nature because she's the Rebellion. That's really good production design. Um, I disagree with you about her husband. I don't think he is uh, intimidated by a strong woman. I think he is someone who absolutely doesn't give a shit about anybody by himself, and he's perfect to live in Coruscant during the age of the Empire. He says she's boring because she cares about stuff. Right. She's already even though she's not openly rebelling against the empire in the senate she's arguing to protect people who are being um you know hurt by what the empire is doing yeah, the she's go- trying uh, to help people right the Gorman yeah.
0: shipping routes yeah, yeah yeah
1: uh and he doesn't care about that so he thinks right. she's boring he the last thing he says in the scene is like why is it so bad that we just have fun <laughs> like he just wants to have a good time and enjoy their rich fancy ass lives on Coruscant And as much as she is part of that rich elite, she's fighting for the little people. And I think that dynamic between them is really, really interesting. So, yeah, as far as all that goes, I can't wait to see more of her journey and really see more of that side of the rebellion. And I really, really can't wait for her and Cassian to meet for the first time, like seeing these two ends of the spectrum come together from just totally opposite ends of the galaxy, right. I think is going to be really, really satisfying.
0: Uh, I think the person who she might be talking about is Ben Miles, the actor from the British sitcom *Coupling*. He was in the trailer, and we see her talking okay. to him, and that might be him. I'm not—I don't know. that yeah. might be him. He is not in the cast list for the next episode, but he was in the trailer, so I don't know if he's the guy she's talking about. But that's my suspicion at this point. But. I have, I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion that like, okay. I
1: think you're right. That I think yeah. that it will probably be someone that is not, oh, it's Ahsoka Tano. Like, right. I right. think it's going to be much more of a, here's someone she brings in. And to Luthan's mm-hmm. point, even though he does do the same thing with Cassian, yeah. she might bring in somebody who turns out to be dirty. Like, right. she might be making a mistake here. That might yeah. be a thing that's happening too. So it's going to be really interesting to find out.
0: Yeah, and I want to find out more about this relationship between them, uh, right, Laura? I mean, like, what what is is this a marriage of convenience was this a was she did she marry him to get out of a situation or did they meet when they were younger and he's turned into this thing like what is this all about does she stay married to him because of the connective because of her connections to the empire and needing to do what she needs to do in her position to help fund the rebels like this is going to be fascinating as this relationship goes along so how did you think they uh introduced mon mothma how they introduced her uh luthan all of this stuff here and of course Uh, the serial card situation as well thoughts on all of this uh, in this uh, sections of the of the show
2: you know you bring up their marriage and the thing that I think sort of stuck out to me at that point was that there's a line from House of Dragon I think one of the most recent episodes where you know Rhaenyra is talking about how marriage is basically a political maneuver and I when I watched this episode I sort of wondered that about Mon Mothma and Perrin because I'm like what what exactly is the relationship here? This is kind of hard to read. It's really interesting to watch. Um, But Perrin sucks. I think he fucking sucks. And I think he's the guy that says that we should all stop using pronouns because he doesn't get it. And he claims to be liberal, but he says he's fiscally conservative. And he definitely has voted for a third party candidate. It's like, this guy just sucks. So I i'm not about even, him or if he even <laughs> voted if he even voted yeah. if he voted, yeah right i just I, I i'm i if we don't see him again i'd be fine with it but also their relationship is interesting so bring it on i don't yeah. know um i echo everything that you guys said about uh Luther and Anne monmouth very fake very enthusiastic very overly polite conversation very fun to watch i yeah. very much enjoyed that i got a hit on one thing though during this conversation because he goes to show her this Utapau and sword, and like a basic white girl who just returned from Spain and insists on telling you all about her trip to Barcelona, <laughs> he pronounces the word aficionado as aficionado, which is so which, uh, what it was. It just threw me for a loop, and it was really funny and really fun to watch. I love I love how I, Laura
1: I love how Laura is coming for this show. I know I Laura is it. coming for this I show
2: i got it i gotta pick on these things because it was just funny it was just i don't know why you pronounced it like that there's also a weird moment where uh Qyburn pronounces the word lieutenant like lieutenant a couple of times British... i don't know what that is that a? okay yeah, yeah, i did not English. know what that was yeah, i was English. very They're confused by that too mm-hmm. we're doing all kinds of weird pronunciations in this show for me. i'm not here for it um i imagine in this scene where we get all these great easter eggs which i very much enjoy i know that there's um, I think there's like some of the stone tablets that kind of look like the the hands from um the gods of mortis that we see in Star Wars Rebels and in, in the Clone Wars. Yeah. You can see little pieces of those in the background. And I just imagine like in this script, like Tony Gilroy wrote in like the margin, like, just put whatever random nerdy shit you want in this room. I do not care. <laughs> but then yeah, they Star ran. Oh, for that. sure. When you yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, when you get to, I mean, just like so everybody like Tony Gilroy is not going like, and then we see some holocrons in the <laughs> background, and we see a Twilight Calicori. and like, like he doesn't do that. Like he's like, he doesn't lots sound of like artifacts. Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Hi it's me, Tony Gilroy. Oh yay. no, but it's like, uh, he basically, it's all of the prop crew, it's all everybody, like it's the it's the design team. It's like, oh, we have to fill this gallery with Star Wars artifacts. What would make sense? Yeah, and they go to fucking town, yep. nerding out as much as any of us do and props to them because those props are awesome literal literal (laughs)
2: props (laughs) no i mean like tony gilroy has like famously come out and said like that he he did not grow up a star wars fan this is really not his cup of tea but he's managed to be very successful in this franchise and i you know it's because we've got those nerdy people behind the scenes that are willing to be like what if we put this in here Mm -hmm. like it's it works yeah. Um, the one last thing I wanted to hit on, I also like, I wanted to bring up the fact that, you know, she brings up this mystery person. We don't know who she's talking about. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people suspecting that maybe she's talking about Bale or Ahsoka. Neither one of those make any sense in the context of the Ahsoka novel, which takes place very shortly after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Bale or is already in it with the rebellion at that point, and Ahsoka is like joining basically up the with rebellion at that point too. So they're already in it. They're already doing their own thing. I don't think that's who we're bringing in. Um, I like your theory, John, that we're bringing in this mystery person from the trailer. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that's where we're going. Um, also fun fact: Sly Moore is a party animal and I'm here for that. fact. <laughs> I love that. I want to see this dinner party play out a little bit. We're not gonna, we're not going to get to, I don't think, but <laughs> I want to see it just for that.
0: Fair enough. Uh, A couple more Easter eggs here. There is Mandalorian armor in there as well. And also, uh, Den of Geek is pointing out that there's a set of armor that looks a lot like the Dark Lord Starkiller armor worn by Galen Merrick in the alternate dark side ending of the video game The Force Unleashed. So that may be in there as well. Uh, And as far as Gorman is concerned, Gorman goes all the way back to the Legends continuity. It featured in the 1990s video games Star Wars X-Wing and Star Wars Rebellion. Gorman will unfortunately be the site of one of the biggest massacres in the imperial era when stormtroopers open fire on peaceful protesters on the planet, mirroring what we what we see. If you've ever seen the Gandhi movie based on that true massacre that happened in India uh, and Mon Mothma actually alludes to how the empire is cutting off Gorman's shipping routes. So that may be what causes people to starve on the planet and sets up this protest that leads to them being killed by uh, these stormtroopers. uh uh, from the empire so a lot of great deep cuts within this whole thing and i think mike you're absolutely right he's like just go to town guys and then moved on to the next thing (laughs) but but it is like
1: i mean like honestly and this, like i wouldn't be surprised if they even like whoever they talk to whoever their nerd people are whether it's someone at lucasfilm whether it's someone that they've got working with them but like like if it's it's a wise writer who knows what he or she or they don't know.
0: Yeah, but their strengths aren't up um, so, yeah. so
1: you're writing the scene and like, look, you're focusing on the politics and you're sort of fleshing out this relationship and you're writing Mon Mothma in a way that we've never seen before and we're really getting into the nitty gritty. And then you say, okay, well, like, I'm going to put that there was this thing here and, oh, she's referencing this or we need to reference some planets. And just be like, hey, who knows what the stuff that makes sense is? Like... Yeah somebody else do this like as opposed to like being really arrogant and being like well i'm gonna put something in there or i'm gonna make up something because i don't want to be a nerd and who cares about easter eggs like allowing somebody whoever it is to like really and i don't know maybe it's dan gilroy maybe it's not but like to really fill those easter eggs in it's what's really working because it is very um it makes it makes the star wars fan side of me happy without feeling fan yeah. And that's a good balance to to be in.
0: And I'm sure Kathleen was the right was the raw, raw, last person to write on the script put in the whip and uh, the stones from Indiana Jones. <laughs> We've got Indiana Jones five. Commands. Put in the
1: Shankara <laughs> stones. <Yeah. laughs> Let's
0: put a little a uh, thing in there. That
1: All was right, Harrison.
3: Uh, that was Harrison Ford. You uh, think so? Uh, there's a, a place for the whip.
0: You get out of here. You die. <laughs> get out of here um all right well there we go that's our entire review uh, let's get some final words Mike final thoughts on this episode here um as we head into episode five of Andor.
1: It, you know it got I mean both both sides of it the Cassian story and the Mon Mothma story got me really excited for what happens next cannot wait to see this whole uh thing go down on Andani. like I think like Aldani like I think that's going to be an awesome thing I think we're going to lose some people yeah. I think Cassian is going to show what he's worth to the alliance um, and on the other side, just really seeing Mon Mothma continue to navigate what's going on in Coruscant and all of this intrigue, um, and then on the Empire side, like, with Cyril and Deidre, like, seeing where this goes, like, I'm really engaged in all of these stories. Like I said, I do feel like the first three episodes almost feel like prologue at this point. Like, I want to go back to Bix, I want to go back to everybody back there and see what's going on, um, and Marva, like, everybody, like, they're, like... I'm intrigued by those characters, but these newer stories, like seeing this rebellion really start on both ends and seeing how the empire is trying to balance it out. Like I, I'm really happy that we don't have just six episodes.
0: Uh, you make an excellent point, Mike, because I didn't even think about all those people back on Ferrex at all, and they made such an impression with me over the first three episodes, but I was so caught up in the new stuff we were getting yeah. here in this, so that speaks volumes to the wealth of what they're doing. Um, Laura, final thoughts on this episode, what you claim is your favorite episode of the first four, so what are your thoughts here, final thoughts as we head into episode five?
2: Certainly my favorite so far. So, I mean, going off of like sort of the pacing that I was very frustrated with in the first three episodes, if we're going to continue at that pace, we're not going to get to this heist until like episode 10, and I really hope that that's not the case. I hope that we're getting into it at some point <laughs> soon.
0: Oh my god. I'm also
2: kind of I'm very <laughs> curious to see, and I'm hoping we get to the point at some point what the end goal of getting these crates of payroll is mm. because like first of all, crates like like it's like paper or something. Like we're not we're not stealing like a data chip or yeah. something yet. Like there are like we're doing like pay stubs. It sounds like yeah. for the Empire in this era. <laughs> that's that's unusual to me. It's surprising, but it, it's an interesting choice. So I'm I'm hoping to find out what exactly they're planning to do with it because I don't get it. Maybe they've maybe they've sort of hinted at that, but I'm like, what could po- what could we possibly do with that? Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm interested to see much more of Mon Mothma and see where her story potentially ultimately ties in um with cassians or do we have to wait until season two to sort of get that story we've got plenty of time we've got 24 episodes they may hold off on that yeah
0: and i wonder if they're yeah it's a good point are they stealing money or are they stealing the pay stubs what are they stealing with the payroll
1: yeah i understood it i felt like they're stealing the money yeah and if it is the
0: money are they doing that to fund other operations remember mfs nest doing her own well, because like
1: clearly clearly mon stuff. Mothma's is having uh, trouble moving her because like Chandra is a very Chandra is like very like coruscant like it's a core yeah. world it's very rich that's you can tell by where she lives so her being able to fund stuff is definitely a plus for the alliance and for right. the rebellion but like i think that getting this money maybe takes a little bit of the heat and pressure off of mon mothma yeah. to have to be doing what she's doing is the way that i was reading it but i could be wrong we'll see
0: and there's maybe a backup plan to, uh, uh, by um, Luthen, concerned w- about whether Mon is going to come through or not. And if she doesn't, he's got this as a backup plan. That's possible as well. Uh, Shannon, final thoughts on this episode four as we go into episode five. I mean, I love that
3: we're only a third of the way through. Um, thus far, I'm I'm all in on the show. Based off of the first three episodes, I'm wondering if that's sort of the the kind of the format that it'll take that will go in chunks of three that you know you've got this it, it casting like story that, that ends yeah. with the big shootout is this next batch going to end with that heist and also like who like my guess is uh Deidre is the one who's going to bring Karn back into it yeah um but who Deidre is actually going to be going up against like is it going to be Mon Matha? is it going to be Cassian is it going to be Luthan like I'm so curious right now yeah. I mean the show has my well, has my full full attention, and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what happens next week.
1: And there's also the partisan factor. I mean, right. Saw Gerrera's in here somewhere. He's going to show up at some point. And yeah. he's showing up at some point, and we've never seen, because uh, even when they went, even in Rogue One, Cassian and Saw don't have any scenes together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And it doesn't seem like Cassian really knows Saw. Like, it'll be interesting to see, like, Saw and Cassian don't really have a relationship. And Cassian doesn't have a relationship where he can just go to Saw. It's the whole reason um, that Jin Erso exists. Like, that's why they have to go to Jin Erso. So I don't think we're going to have some, a lot of whole but Diego Luna, Forest Whitaker scenes. But where Saw plays into all of this with what's going on, both either with the Rebellion side or the Empire side, is also going to be really interesting. So it, I'm really enjoying the you know the marvel shows particularly like if you are a longer show you get six episodes and if you're a shorter show you get nine episodes and we've got 12 for andor so like it's it's i'm really feeling the the luxury the stretch room the leg room of 12 it's nice yeah.
0: they'll be curious when we get to 18 from daredevil how we feel about that as well um all right well there you go and, and I, will, I will say this i'm loving it so far this is my kind of star wars nothing about this episode Turned me off or didn't make me want to see more and feel more. I love that we're expanding the character base or the character count in this. I, I love that there's all these different storylines happening and I'm monitoring it all and excited um, to see where it's all going to go um, and where it's all going to end up. And I like every single actor who is playing these roles and what they're bringing to it as well. So looking forward to some really new. Um, approaches and nuances uh, as the events start to unfurl here over the next eight episodes that we have left in this season all right well thanks so much for watching this spoiler review of episode uh, four of andor shannon what do we have to tell them yeah I'd like to follow us on
3: social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon the geek buddy if you would like to follow mr vogel it is at mk2 and if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says
0: mikey
1: Um, If you enjoy looking at us talk about Star Wars and watching John forget to take commercial breaks, then (laughs) we are here for you. And we will continue to do that throughout the rest of Andor's run. Uh, We will continue to remind John that we're supposed to take commercial breaks. In the meantime, Uh, here's what you can do for us. You can hit that like button below. You can subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Leave your comments below. Uh, What Easter eggs did we miss? How are you feeling about it so far? Too slow? Too much? Too little? Too much? Or whatever. Just let us know what you think. If you are listening to us on podcasts, leave us some stars and leave us some comments so we go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies
0: you go and of course thanks again to laura kelly for joining us for this review She'll be joining us for the whole season so thank you laura please let people know where they can find all your work and all your star wars knowledge on display
2: sure i am often tweeting about star wars you can find me on twitter at shut up underscore laura you can find me and john talking about star wars right here on his channel on the jedi way and you can find the audio only podcast i do with my friend alice where we drink wine and talk about star wars that's called Force Toast, a Star Wars Happy Hour, and you can find it on Twitter at Force Toast Pod.
0: There you go. All right, thank you all so much. Take care of yourselves. And be well. And we will talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode here from the Geek Buddies
2: and Laura Kelly. <gasps> hey!